All right, guys and gals, welcome to Nats Weekly. I'm your host, D Mac. On this week's show, we're going to talk about the injuries that we've had this past week, the impact of those injuries, what it means for the playoff race. Yeah, playoffs. We're already talking playoffs, and we've only played 18 games. All that and more. Remember, if you want to contribute to the show, you can always call us on our fa- on our fan line. Leave a message at 305-809-NATS, 305-809-6287. You can follow us on Twitter at Nats Weekly, or you can shoot us an email at NatsWeekly at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. All right, we're going to start off the show talking about some, we'll say, non-baseball activity. Uh, if you didn't see last Sunday's game and you have the opportunity to, please, please go back and watch it. And it has nothing to do with the baseball game. And what will be known for, you know, the foreseeable future at least, the TARP game. The Nats ground crew had a little bit of trouble. So, six inning starts, it starts pouring rain out of nowhere. They bring the tarp out. And they are struggling so bad. They roll it out, they unroll it, they roll it back, they unroll it, they roll it back. Literally, the great part about all of it is, Masson kept the camera rolling. They didn't cut the commercial. They saw it, and they that was probably the most entertainment I saw all day. Because obviously the Nats were losing, they were down 5-2, wasn't real happy. I don't think many people were real happy. And then you watch them just back and forth, back and forth. And it was like tying it into a knot. The more they messed with it, the worse they made the tarp. If you actually go back and watch the video, you'll see at the very beginning, when they when they started to unroll it, they flipped one side over an extra time and it didn't, it didn't get uncaught. And then as they started pushing it out, you saw it kind of pulling it and you, I've never seen a tarp unroll that way. And I would think the grounds crew would kind of look at it and say, okay, Hey, we need to stop. Something's wrong. Instead, they just kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And before you know it, 10 minutes go by pouring, pouring rain all over the infield. No chance of getting the game in after that. It made them Twitter famous. I mean, obviously I feel for those guys. I feel like you know, that they did keep working the you know, it's pouring rain, so they're soaking wet trying to get this tarp out. I I just I had to mention them because, you know, I, I felt for them. I, I all of Twitter was talking about them. They were on every you know, every meme out there, all over social media. Eventually they did get the tarp on, but by the time they did, the downpour had gone to a drizzle. It was crazy. Unfortunate for those guys, but definitely entertaining for anybody who saw it. And thank you, thank you, Masson, for continuing the coverage. I was a little disappointed. I did think you cut out a little early. I think if you started, you start showing their struggles, then you better show them if they finish. And they finished, and and we didn't get to see that. Just had to get, get the lighter side of sports on right there. With that, let's go to our recap. What happened? What the hell happened? Give me the recap. All right, I'm going to give it to you then. All right, we played seven games, ended up going three and four for the week. Not ideal, especially where where we are as far as the season goes. You know, you you want to be over 500 each week. If we can be over 500 the rest of the year each week, then we'll be in pretty good shape. 
You know, we, we split with New York, won the first two. It was disappointing to lose the second two. We had a had an opportunity to, to win that series. You know, put up a lot of runs in, in really two games. The Orioles game, which we won 15-3, and the first Mets game, which we won 16-4. You know, between those two games, we put up 31 runs. The problem is we didn't we didn't spread those runs out. We got to find a way to consistently put up four, five, six runs a game instead of having these duds and then these games where we put up 15. But three and four for the week, you know, not the worst, but definitely got to got to improve on that. Especially when you're talking about two teams in the Mets and the Orioles who who are not world beaters. I mean, that's twice now we face the Mets and both times. Both times we missed Degrom. I mean, that's that's ideal if you're a Nats fan. You, you you're missing you're missing Degrom, so you'd say, okay, hey, we should be able to win. We have an opportunity to win all four of these games. And after winning the first two, we just kind of we really struggled. As far as offense, you know, with putting up those big those big numbers, we did have some some big numbers offensively for the week. We actually hit 14 home runs. 14. Trey Turner hit three to bring his total to four. Juan Soto hit five home runs in seven games. I'm telling you right now, he's scorching hot. There's a legitimate question if this guy can hit 400. Legitimate. He hit 423 for the week. 423 for the week. Qualify yet because he missed so many games at the beginning. But he's at 405 right now for the season. And it wouldn't surprise me if he continues to rake. The only, only way he wouldn't, in my opinion, is if, if teams realize this. And they start pitching around him, which he, which you know, they very well could unless someone else could step it up. As Drupal Cabrera had three for the week, including two, two in one game. Starling Castro hit his first two, and even Kurt Suzuki hit his first home run of the year. That's fourteen home runs that we hit. Trey Turner had a great week, ended up going thirteen for twenty nine. 13 for twenty nine with an on base percentage over five hundred, which is what you need from your leadoff hitter. If he can do that, if he can continue doing, you know, two thirds of that, then I, you know, we'll be in great shape. We just need Adam Eaton to kind of start clicking behind him. But you know, that's our offensive week. wasn't bad, wasn't great. Let's get in. Let's talk about the big stories now. Things that really, uh, really keep us up at night. All right, let's start with the bad news. We had three key players put on the DL this week. First of all, to nobody's surprise, Sean Doolittle got placed on the DL. Probably, and they called it inflammation of the right knee. Maybe that's having an effect on him as far as it is, his, you know, it's his landing leg. I don't, I don't know. It's good to give him a little time to figure things out, though, like we did last year. Because, again, like Davey Martinez said, we're going to need Doolittle to be Doolittle if we're going to be successful. And it gives him at least 10 days to kind of work out on the side, throw a little bit, you know, figure things out. He did pitch in the blowout against the Mets, gave up a home run, but did get three outs after, you know, within that time frame. So, I mean... You know, he's got some work to do. When he went on the D, the IL, Will Harris came off it. Um, he pitched in one game. He looked all right. Those two guys, we need to pitch well if we're going to have a successful bullpen. You know, we need Harris. We need Doolittle. They're a big part. Now, they don't have to be the eighth and ninth inning guys. They can be seventh inning guys. Doolittle can be a guy who comes in and gets lefties out. But we're going to need them to be be successful if we're going to have a, have a decent bullpen. All right, with Doolittle going out, we also had... Uh, bad Friday was bad news for the injury list altogether. First of all, we continued the suspended game from Sunday. First inning, ground ball, Starling Castro, he kind of rolled over his wrist. 
I saw him grab it, but he stayed in and played the rest of the inning. Turns out he broke his wrist. If I had to guess, he's done for the year. You know, it's going to take at least six to eight weeks. There's not six to eight weeks left. And not only that, you got to build up strength in your wrist. That's a big part of your swing. More, you know, for, for, for now, I would assume that he's done. I'm not, I'm not the doctor. I'm not making that decision, though. I've seen people come back quick. I don't know how he, he heals, you know, but, but a big blow for us. And we'll talk about the repercussions in a little bit as far as who's going to be getting those reps at second base. And then the last thing, on, on Friday, we had uh, Steven Strasburg came in and started, pitched two-thirds of an inning. And he threw a pitch, and he, you saw him kind of shake his hand like it wasn't feeling right. And, and, and those nerve issues came back. Went ahead, took him out, put him on the IL. Don't know where we're going to go from here. I do know this, that if he's not 100% healthy, he's not pitching again this year. You know, it's probably 50-50 he pitches again. I, I would say you're not going to have him pitch through this injury. Let him heal. He's going to be fixed. And if he's fixed before the season's over, he'll pitch again. If he's not, then he will not pitch again. You're not going to risk a guy's career just to pitch through these 60, 60 games. If a guy's hurt, you sit him out. So they put him on the injured list, you know, We'll give him a couple weeks, see how it feels in a couple weeks. If it feels good, you throw him in, in not one, not two, probably probably three simulated games. And if he, he throws well without any issues, then you talk about bringing him back. You don't just say, okay, hey, he feels good. Let's throw him a little bit, throw a couple bullpens. All right, let's throw him in the games. No, you got you to gotta figure out for real, is, he, is this something that's going to linger all season? Because if it is, then he's not, he doesn't need to pitch. There is no reason for him to pitch. Now the question is, with Strasburg out, what does that do for this team? Well, it brings Eric Fetty into the the starting rotation, which he's pitched well. You know, he's been probably our third third best pitcher behind Scherzer and Corbin. It really really stretches our depth because if you don't think you're going to need another starting pitcher somewhere down the road, then then you're crazy. You know, this is where you really miss that Joe Ross. Our pitching is strong enough that we still have an opportunity, but I think the key is going to be if, if whether or not we can score runs. You know, this completely changes the rotation. You know, it puts a lot of pressure on Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin to have ace outings every time because you have to win those games because the other three games are all question marks. So I would say losing Strasburg. For a month, I, I think we still have, a, have a, a shot of making the playoffs just because there's so many teams that make it. You know, it's not like normal years where five out of 15 teams make it, a third of the league. No, eight of 15 make it. That's over half. Are we one of the top half teams? Yeah, I think so. Even without Strasburg, yes, I think we are. But I would have to say, I would have to say we need someone to step up. We need multiple guys to step up on the mound if we're going to still make the playoffs with Strasburg down. End of story. All right, with injuries, you have new guys being called up, and there's two guys we got to talk about, two that have great stories. You know, first one, we're gonna t- let's talk about him. Luis Garcia. Oh, my gosh. Not expected at all to see him this year. I wasn't even sure if we were going to see him next year, but went ahead after Castro broke his wrist. He went ahead and got called up, and maybe he's going to be that little spark plug that we need. Second baseman. Looks big. Honestly, he looks like a, a Soto clone, really. Him and Juan Soto look alike. Their swings look alike. 
They're very similar in age. He's only 20 years old. He's the youngest player in Major League Baseball right now. But he's a bigger-looking second baseman. And I think he can bring some pop to the lineup. He's looked very smooth defensively so far. I'm excited. I, I hope, you know, I hope it's not too big for him. The good thing is there's not really any fans. There's not any fans, period, in the stands. So, you know, maybe the moment seems a lot easier for him. I'm excited. And I guess because there's no minor league system, there's there's no real reason. Why not? Why not go ahead and give him a shot? I mean, we kind of did the same thing with Juan Soto, brought him up. Nobody thought he was ready. He came and he showed us differently. And if this guy's really like the Juan Soto clone, then maybe he's going to come in and he's gonna, not going to give that spot up. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if you saw Garcia come in and, and hit the ball well and get every game the rest of the year at second base. Exciting young player. Is going to hit for pop at second base, which would be great. This team obviously really needs pop. Unexpected, but, you know, kind of temper your expectations. Don't come in thinking the kid's going to hit 300, 350. Kind of be happy with, with 270, a couple home runs here and there, some productive at-bats, continuing to develop. that. That's kind of my goal for him. Yes, we need him. We need him to hit the ball well. It'd be It'd be a huge spark plug for us, but don't rely on him. Don't have your expectations so high that when, you know, the kid only hits 270 as a 20-year-old, you're you're upset and and bothered. Like, let's be real. The kid's 20 years old and in the major leagues. Great story, but not as good as this next guy's story. Dakota Backus, my man. I was so, so excited to see he got called up. Been in the minor leagues for nine years. Nine years. The kid's 28 years old. 29 years old, I'm sorry. 29 years old. Drafted by the A's. We got him in the when we traded Kurt Suzuki to the A's in 2013. Last year was the first year he made it above double A. At most point, you would think, you know, if you're in the minor leagues for that long, and there's not even a thought of you being called up, most of those guys shut it down. They shut it down. But he stuck it out, and he kept pitching and pitching, Last year, his ERA was like five and a half at Fresno, but they brought him up. Hey, let's get let's give him a chance. He's throwing the ball well in camp and the alternate training site. Let's give him a shot and see what he can do. He's 29 years old, made his major league debut on Friday, pitched two perfect innings, pitched again on Saturday, gave up a single, but pitched another inning. So so far, he's faced nine. I'm sorry, ten batters. And got nine of them out. Great story. If you saw the dugout, if you saw the game, Davey Martinez kind of congratulate him on being called up and pitching. It was, it was a great moment. A great story. Something as a Nats fan, you, you got to love to see. And I'm sure we'll see a lot more st- stories like this all across Major League Baseball. Just because there's going to be so much liquidity to the lineup. There's going to be guys coming in. Guys you know, being on, on the injured list. Uh, the COVID testing, all that is going to kind of bring guys in and out. And you love to see stories like this, not just because you're a Nats fan, just because you're a baseball fan. And hopefully he continues to do well. And, and you know, maybe he can, you know, be a bright spot for us in, in this sh- shortened season. All right, preview time. Let's take a look what we got. We finish off our series against Baltimore. Big, big game. Got to get the win. We got Scherzer on the mound. 
you'd hate to say it 18 games in, but it's a must-win situation. Must-win. Period. Scherzer on the mound going against, you know, the Orioles, which is should be a, a cellar-dweller in the AL East, but got got to win that game. We continue our road trip. I'm going to tell you, this week right here, you don't want to say it this early, but you have to. Could be the most important week of the season. After finishing with Baltimore, we got three in Atlanta to finish the road trip. And then we return with not one, not two, not three, not four, but five against Miami. Five games in four days. We got a doubleheader on Saturday. We play Friday, doubleheader on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday against the Marlins. The first place Marlins. If we're going to make our move, this is the week. And I know most people are probably saying, hey, it's so early. It's not. We're a third of the way through. We have 42 games left. We've, all, we've already played a third of our games, and we're 7-11. and 11. We're in last place in the NL East. Last place. Four games back of the Marlins. Three games back of the Braves. Over the next eight days, we need to make our move. I'm not saying we got to go 8-0, but we got to have a positive week this week. Eight games in the next seven days. No, I'm sorry. We have seven games in the next seven days because we do have an off day in there. We need to be at least four and three. Five and two is ideal. Four and three is, is minimum. And it starts today. It starts today, Sunday, with Max Scherzer beating a bad Orioles team, which we've struggled with all year. They're already going to win the series. They've already won. They've won four or five against us. I wouldn't say embarrassing, but definitely unexpected. We got to take care of them. Then we need to go to Atlanta and let them know that we are the world champs. I don't care you won the NL East. We are the world champs and we're coming for you because they have their own issues. I feel like the NL East is so wide open right now. So many teams who were favorites all have issues, including the Nationals. You know, the Mets, their starting rotation, once they lost Noah Syndergaard, really has struggled, which is why we're tied tied in last place with them. The Phillies have their own issues to talk about. Their bullpen has been awful. The Marlins have somehow found a way through everything going on with, with their COVID testing and being shut down to win baseball games. And as much as people want to say they're going to come back to the pack, they haven't yet. As of right now, they are the NL East champs. They are winning the NL East. Is it going to stay like that? No. If I'm a betting man, do I bet that they make the playoffs? No, I don't. The Braves have rotation issues. They've already sent down Fultonewich. They lost Soroka. They sent down Nuke. Like, they got all kinds of, of rotation issues. So we got to take advantage. I know we have our own issues with losing Strasburg. Our bullpen hasn't been perfect, but we, we have guys who can throw in the bullpen. You know, Tanner Rainey, I can't talk enough about him. I'm not going to talk about him this week because I've talked about him on every every episode. Gosh, I, I I feel like I'm starting to get a man crush for him. That man is pitching so well. So well. With that said, we got to go out and win these ball games. Period. And that's going to be it for our show this week. Remember, new shows drop every Sunday. If you need to get in contact with us, you can always email us at natsweekly at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at natsweekly. Or if you want to call into the show, remember the number is 305-809-NATS. That's 305-809-6287. I'm your host, D-Max, signing off. Go Nats!